The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guests, that's right, guests, are Craig and James of Caskets. Uh, this was an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> I had gone and gotten my palm retattooed. Um, I needed to get it retouched up. Actually, looking at it right now, it's it's a lot better than the first pass that we did, probably... Probably about 70, 75% of it still held in. Uh, I need to go back over some of the fine, fine spaces. Basically where my hand folds, uh, it, it fell out. Um, so I got to have redo that again. Um, but right before I did this conversation, uh, I had my palm redone. And it was something where the first time we did the first pass, it only took about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, so when I was scheduling my day, I actually was like, oh, I'll have plenty of time to go do this and then go do, uh, my, my podcast interview. And we ended up taking the time to meticulously look at each individual line and go, oh, that one looks like it might need another, like another go over that one could fall out. Uh, so just painstakingly going through the process of looking at every single line, uh, between my artist and I looking to make sure that one it would heal. Hopefully we wouldn't have to do it again. Uh, although here we are uh, a few weeks afterward and we're still going to have to redo it. So all in all, it, even in spite of our best efforts to make sure we wouldn't have to, uh, we will, but it was really weird because, uh, it ended up taking about an hour, hour and 20, uh, roughly between just everything. And so I kind of rushed to get home to be on time for this chat. And I got to tell you, it is really interesting to have like your hand kind of be throbbing and like the pain of a tattoo, but in a spot that's not normal. And like you're trying to, you know, you, you got all the, you know, gunk and all that shit on it. And so it's like, it's just kind of weird, like when you're very aware of an appendage basically that has been tattooed. And I'm trying to do this chat with the guys and I'm like, I realize I'm just like moving my hand around because like, I'm like, oh, like if I keep it down, like all the blood flows to it and it feels very weird. And if I, it just, it was weird. It was a very weird uh, thing to 
do right before the podcast. And like I said, I thought I'd have time to like not have it be a, a thing, but uh, the last time I got it tattooed, within probably 10, 15 minutes, I'd say, um, the pain kind of went away. And so I figured, once again, that that would be sort of a similar experience, and it was not. Uh, so it was a very... Very interesting process to try to do a conversation with some people and you're like just constantly aware of like your hand uh, being in pain and not wanting to touch a bunch of different shit and cause it to kind of hurt. Uh, so if you're watching the video version, you'll probably see me move my hand a bunch and it was just me trying to figure out a way to, to do something and, and kind of uh, not have it get shit all over the place. Um, the other thing that was kind of interesting uh, was uh, leading up to it, I was kind of told I would get somebody and then it was going to be Craig and then it might be Benji, then it might be somebody else and then it ended up being Craig and James. So that kind of threw me a little bit as well because when you are when you have two people, sometimes it's, it's I don't want to say it's a challenge, but it, it is something that where you want to give each person the opportunity to answer a question and to kind of be the focal point of the conversation. And so instead of just kind of strictly thinking of a line of questions for a singular person to keep a conversation going, you kind of got to think a little bit more broad. Um, And so that was a little bit of a challenge for me as well as trying to come up with questions that worked for both of them uh, to just kind of ask. So there there was a little bit of kind of a feeling out process uh, on this one. Plus, you know, the sound check going on uh, during the conversation. So, um, you know, I'm not making excuses or anything like that. It just it's 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 fun uh, at times seven years into this thing, you know, over 400 episodes to kind of still be thrown uh, some curveballs. And how do you do with them? And. Honestly, I think that's a really good uh, representation of how my my life has been going the last like week or so uh, has just been being very malleable with anything that's going on. Um, you know, if you pay attention to our podcast socials, uh, you know that I talked to BD from Hatebreed uh, when they were here in town. And that was one where I was trying to line it up with Chris kind of on the download, like just working it out between him and I had to go through management and all the, the proper channels, which is fine. But then it was, uh, well, it may be, you know, you may not know until the last minute. And it sort of wasn't the last minute, but it was still kind of a, a, a bit of a waiting around uh, thing. And then I had other people come into town to see the show with me. And it was just, it was a lot of like, what's going on? I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm waiting to find out just like you. Uh, I'll let you know as soon as I know and communicating with everybody. Um, and then even just kind of the way uh, this whole week's really been. Like I said, uh, I had jury duty today as I'm on a recording. Uh, that was a whole lot of hurry up and wait. Thankfully, uh, you know, I, we didn't end up getting selected. So I'm utilizing the time today, uh, to get some podcast stuff done. And, but it's just, again, it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know what the process is going to entail. So just kind of being chill and ready for whatever presents itself. And ultimately I think that's something that I've kind of come to realize maybe is a, a, a skill or a, a gift maybe, uh, for, for me is not, overthinking something and just kind of being more like whatever happens happens and I'll deal with it in true time. And I was talking with a friend of mine who works security at a couple of venues here in town and he was even making the comment. He was like, you know, you're someone that is able to just kind of look at everything and just kind of take it all in and, you know, making informed decisions based on that and just kind of go with, with the information you have present. 
And I do think that as I get older, it is something that not a lot of people are good at. And I think it's something even when talking to Craig and James, you know, kind of sort of about touring and finding your ways through different forms of promotional avenues, basically, of, you know, how do you get your music out to people? How are people finding you? How do you take advantage of those things? And how do you continue to grow your brand and your band when you're not from here in the States and stuff like that? And I, and I know sometimes when I have, like, these these bands that aren't from here in the States, you know, some people might get a little uh, upset that, it, you know, I'm spending time talking about the differences of how do you you know, reach people here in the States. What is touring like? Is it different? Is it, you know, is the United States, you know, is the America the, the place everyone wants to break and so forth? Because from my perspective in here, that's all I have is my perspective. And to me, I feel like the world is so much bigger that I'd rather try to make it everywhere else. Um, I sometimes look at like when I worked at T-Mobile way, way, way back in the day. And I remember when I worked there, everyone's like, this company's shit. And I go, they're shit here in the States because they they pretty much have conquered everything everywhere else. Like if you talk to all the exchange people, because I at the time when I worked for the company was on East Lansing uh, in, here in Michigan. So one of the bigger colleges in the U.S. and also uh, with a lot of foreign foreign students coming in uh, to go to you know their collegiate careers and so forth and was a thing where – that was our bread and butter, man. Everybody would come to get our service because it's what they had back home. And so it's been interesting to see how the company has has been perceived because uh, everywhere else around the world other than the here in the States, they were a fucking massive company, uh, almost a monopoly to a degree, whereas here in the States, everyone's like, this company fucking sucks. And I feel like to a degree, maybe that's how I would view being a foreign band, like I would probably want to conquer the rest of the world and then focus on the U.S. probably last. But there's the logistics of how touring here in the States is a lot more beneficial for a lot of bands because of how big the, the land mass actually is. So it just presents a lot of interesting things. And and honestly, like, you know, if at this point, you know, all these years, if you haven't figured out, I really just kind of love figuring out how things work, uh, whether it be just on a band by band basis or person to person basis. But ultimately I just love learning how things are and how people navigate life. Um, because I think hopefully if you listen to these things, uh, if you're a band person, if you're a fan of the band, you know, whatever it is that brings you to these episodes week in and week out, or specifically the episode that you're listening to, I hope that you get something out of it and maybe learn something as well, uh, just like myself. And to me, that is the ultimate goal of having these conversations. So all of that said, I know I've kind of been rambling on a little bit here in the intro. Let's get into my conversation with Craig and James, and I'll talk to you on the other side of it. Um, it's funny, a long time ago, uh, a friend of mine and her boyfriend and my wife and I went to Austin, Texas, and they, one of them is a like vegetarian kind of vegan leaning and they went out for lunch earlier that day. And the guy was like, yeah, I went and had awesome, uh, like vegan barbecue. And I was like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> and he was like, no, it does. I had it. And I go, no, but like, 
realistically, that doesn't exist. And I go, the whole point of barbecue is that you cook a meat or slow cook it or do something to it. And then the juices and all that stuff, you know, do what they do. I go, I'm sure you can kind of do stuff like that to like jackfruit and so forth. But I was like, it's not really going to change. Like the fats aren't going to get in there and do the same thing to like a piece of fruit or whatever, as it would a piece of meat. So the idea yeah. of barbecuing isn't quite the same in the trick, like from that stance. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, by the way, I'm going to be kind of weird. I went and got my hands tattooed like 40 minutes ago. So if you just kind of see me constantly like fucking with my hand, like that's why, cause it's still like in that throbby, like weird feeling. And I don't know what to do with my hand. <laughs> um, I got to say, like, uh, first of all, I, it's funny. This is, this is probably one of the first podcasts I've done with a band that my wife showed me. Um, oh, really? And I know you guys are homies with the hollow front dudes who are from here in Grand Rapids. And they went and saw you a couple nights ago. I think when you were in Chicago, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's funny because my wife a lot of times will like show me music because she's like on TikTok and is current and up to date with stuff like that. And I had remember your guys' name because I remember the Hollow Front dudes trying to pump you up, like because they were doing like shows with you and so forth. And then she was like, Here's this band, and I was like, The band sounds so familiar, I don't know why. And I just put it together like a couple of days ago, like that's why, like, where it came from. But she's been championing the shit out of you guys the last like little bit, and so. It has in this household been the one good thing that's come out of TikTok from her oh, watching wow. it. <laughs> nice. Um, which kind of actually for me, you know, being almost 40, like there's kind of a weird comment, especially with you guys being more of a foreign band, not from here in the States. How have you found being able to utilize like uh, this kind of industry boom of, of TikTok to where like it kind of can really change like the demographic of who's finding you, people going to your shows and so forth. Well, I mean, it's very new to us. I mean, um, a lot of us uh, are an older generation, so we don't really use TikTok that much, but the fact that uh, it's helping us out and uh, hopefully um, picking up the pace of building a fan base, then uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, it seems great. Yeah, I, I think TikTok's a good thing. It takes the shine off being a musician that tours a lot. As well, there where some kid can sit in his bedroom, get discovered, and get signed. <laughs> very minimal effort. I'm not saying it's a bad thing; that's a great thing for them. But yeah, I'm still more of a traditionalist when it comes to getting discovered. Rather than playing in a dank little club. And getting I just there. think I think it, it's such a. Uh, the only way I've kind of really been able to to kind of think about it, you know, like being almost forty and like having been around for like the beginnings of like MySpace and so forth. I remember seeing like what that did for bands, like almost a whole scene, like deathcore scene kind of came from MySpace, and it seems like it's a great leveling to of the playing field where you can connect with so many people like randomly because, like I mean, look at like the plot new that song had been out for a whole record before they were on another touring cycle, and then this song just catches, and now it was like at one point I think like the most used song for whatever reason. Oh, and really? it kind of so pretty big news to me because I. I I don't actually have TikTok, so this is... I don't either. Um, information, yeah. Yeah, well, so again, it's it's funny because, like, my wife listens to a lot of... Uh, well, just kind of, like, plays songs randomly, listens to the radio. TikTok is, like, her thing that, that she's on. And so, like, when I was playing a Plot New song, she's like, oh, this is that Plot New song that's all over TikTok. And I was like... And I was like, like, recently? And she was like, yeah, I was like, this song's old. Like, it's, like, from the last record. And she goes, yeah. oh, yeah, some weightlifting dude used it. And, like, when the feel not like when it cuts in like it's like a thing where he's lifting i don't know i haven't seen the video but like she was like it went it was everywhere it was like everyone used it and i was like 
Huh. And so like, it's weird to me because I don't have it. I don't see these things. I hear people talking about, oh, did you see on TikTok this? Or uh, yeah. even now, like with Sirius, like there's a TikTok station, wow. which it's, is I fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mark. I mean, it's a great marketing platform. Um, I think the, the thing is now everything's on TikTok. So you kind of get again on it or you'll just kind of get left behind as well. I just wondered the what's the shelf life of it? Because I feel like we've we've already seen that like things don't last. So like I feel like it has to come back to you have to be a well since we're talking about music, you have to have like a good song. It comes down to being a great band, writing a good song. It comes down to the same things it's always done. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you'll never be able to replace that no matter what the platform is. Um, there's no experience like going to a show, seeing a band live, and looking at your phone. Been like, oh yeah, I like this song. Yeah. Getting a fifteen second clip of it. <laughs> then you kinda of decide if you go and download it or, you know, download the album or take a look further into that band. Whereas if you're gonna go see a show, you kinda of, you're already invested there. Sort of thing. So Well, I would almost ask and maybe you would see this more or I guess would actually hear this more potentially in your meet and greets. But are you finding maybe that this is something where it, it literally is bringing people to you? Like people like, like the song from the 15 second clip they've heard and decided yeah, to mean, come check you out. I do a lot of the messages like on uh, Instagram and hmm. um, quite a lot of the messages now are coming through saying, Oh, we, rather than we just covered you through Spotify, it is we've discovered you through TikTok. Um, so weird. So it's a big surprise, but yeah, like I said, I mean, if it's, it's good for us. So, I mean, Obviously, we can't complain. I think it's brilliant. Well, I would almost wonder at that point, you know, because your record's now uh, Saturday is when we're talking. So it has been out for a week and a day as of today. Um, How? Because I feel like in today's world now, like it seems like the rollout for a record is so fucking long. Like it takes it's like a four month rollout. And then that's probably on your side of things. Another six to eight months of okay, the record's done, we got the final mixes, now we got to send stuff off and get mastering done, vinyl production, so on and so forth. Merch bundles going for it. And that it's like your... I feel like the cycle of just to put out the record takes so fucking long now that it almost feels like potentially you're just like burnt out before it even comes out. We're usually sat... This uh, this record, we were sat on it for almost a year, finished, pretty well, tracked, done. We didn't have Mm. the mixes back. But yeah, so... You take that back, you know, maybe like 10 months ago, I guess, finish tracking it. And then previous to that, you've got like the whole probably 12 months before and writing that album as well. So like the whole thing, not include, like, including the rollout and everything, it's usually like 18 months to two years, like the whole thing, to condense that all that stuff down into 10 tracks. <laughs> How? Just, for that one kid's like, got like Yeah, it. I mean, the, the album run started... <laughs> Uh, late last, late last year, yeah, when we brought out Guiding Light. So, I mean, it, it's been a, a long process, but um, from the reactions that we brought, uh, from the singles that we brought out, I think it's been good being able to give a bit of a gap in between each one and uh, let people make their minds up on how they feel about it and uh, what they want from the next single. It does make me wonder moving forward because it seems to sort of be the shape of the industry currently is the the giant debate of how to release music. Like, do you put out a full length record where 
the four to five singles that you make the lyric videos, videos and so forth for, and that got put into the set list. Is that all that like people will give a shit about? And is it better to just put out that or put out a full record? I think uh, people's span of concentration is definitely shortened with uh, Vine and TikTok. So you've got to get them in really quick. Um, yeah, the, the other thing as well, if you plonk the full album out in one go, I'd find that if you were doing like four decent sized tours a year, if you put it out at the beginning of the year, the whole album, and by the time you're on to the second or third, you're going to get people that have already seen that show. Like, oh, well, I heard all this, these new songs like on the first album on the first run this year so i feel like by keeping putting out new songs as the year goes on before the album drops it's always something new to put into the set rather than being like here's the new album in its entirety and then you know when people are bored i end it year. <laughs> it's always the funny thing i feel like you know you're touching on something that i i'm kind of going through this weird phase because it's like they're like one of my favorite bands was every time i die they yeah. obviously no longer exist. Better Lovers is out. Record Rips, or the EP, I should say. And it's a thing where when they disbanded, it became this thing where it's like, I saw that band pretty much any tour that came through. Like, did I see it on the A Market tour? Yeah. And then when they come to my city in a B Market, I would go to that one. Are they somewhere else? I'd maybe see the same tour two or three times. Do they play most of the same shit? Yeah. But it was always rad. And it became this thing when they broke up. Like, I had this kind of moment where I'm like, Maybe I don't want to become a fan like that anymore because it's like you sort of look back and you're like, what was it all worth? Like the band broke my heart <laughs> kind of, <laughs> and it just kind of becomes this thing where you're like, it's almost like a career where you're like 20 years and like now, now for what? Like I have the memories, yeah. but it just kind of gets interesting that I, I you almost kind of don't want to become a full on fan anymore because of like. Some like especially now in day and age of like allegations that come out against people and you're just like oh well this person's a shitty person or the band as a whole are shitty people and you're like I don't know kind of makes you wonder like how much of a fan people are willing to invest their time and energy into to bands anymore. I mean when you when you say it's uh you had great memories and stuff like that I think a lot of the bands in our scene are doing it for the exact same reason. I mean we're not uh we're not absolutely minted with British skin, but I mean, the fact that we do it is for those memories. Um, so I think it's good to have a relationship between fans and being able to uh, kind of share that experience that we're both doing it for the same thing. I have kind of a weird question for you guys. So I was talking uh, earlier this morning with uh, the singer of Still Remains, and so they're from here initially, and they used to be signed to like Roadrunner back in the day, and we were talking about the difference in like region i guess not regional but like in touring like here in the states they weren't really a big band but their sound really was one where overseas and like europe especially it really caught on and you know we were talking kind of talking about when you start touring internationally and kind of playing around to different demographics and understanding your audiences in those areas how is it when you're touring and kind of putting together an understanding that you kind of have to exist in these different worlds for people to be kind of quote unquote successful, even to a degree, maybe like writing a record where you're like, this may not be the one that's going to really push us here, but our fan base almost everywhere else probably will really fuck with this. Um, And so we were kind of talking about that. How is it for you guys, like not being a a stateside band, but like kind of coming here stateside 
are you finding that like your music kind of goes across really well everywhere or do you find that there are pockets that receive what you do better than others well there's some cities in in especially in the states where like for the if you look at the spotify stats a lot of them are like the big american cities where we get most of our plays like uh new york and chicago minneapolis minneapolis Minneapolis, interesting biggest markets on our uh, on our spotify anyway and you you do kind of see the difference in those cities i guess like you know i mean there might be like you know more more people there to see us than the headliner or whatever not i mean like more per show like there's more caskets fans here today than there was yesterday kind of thing uh but generally especially for the states there's a good there's a good spread across across all states really in terms of like fan fans and interacting and stuff like that yeah i think it's um, a good market for our genre of music over in america and we're english as well so people want to fuck with that anyway so. yeah, <laughs> the yeah. I, I could walk in do a fart down my phone probably somebody be like Fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's a great part right there. But yeah, I think the reaction over here has been great. Uh, I mean, a lot of bands, they struggle to break America. Uh, but I think that's something we're aiming to do is to hopefully get as many tour slots as we can over here to finally do a headline tour. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every time we come over, we know that it's going to be good shows. We've got a good following over here. Um, and yeah, I love every second of the tour in America. I think what what gets interesting when you start thinking about touring in that capacity is, you know, I, as someone who obviously has lived here and hasn't really done much traveling outside of the U S to me, I always feel like if I were a band, like I, and I understand like geographically, like the land is more conducive for touring, like consistently without having to cross borders, do all that kind of stuff. So I, I get it from that perspective. But to me, I feel like if I were a band, I'd want to conquer like everything else and then maybe come to the States like last because I feel like there's so much more of the world beyond us. So to me, it's interesting when it still seems like the Americans, the Americas hold so like are in such high regard of like we want to break here kind of yeah. almost yeah. first. It's especially in the UK from a UK perspective. If a band's not getting any attention in America, then they're not worth bothering with. Uh, really? That's exactly what it seems like. It's such a big market in America. I mean, uh, if we plan a tour in England, we're playing six, seven cities, and that that's you done for six to 12 months in England. Yeah, it's not um, So when you come over to America, I mean, if we were to be from America, it'd just be a continuous tour with, uh, I mean, there's so many cities, so many different states that we've still not been to. Um, I think it's just somewhere that everyone wants to go. I mean, uh, Europe's great. Um, like you said, there's a border crossings, and since Brexit, it's been absolutely horrendous for musicians. Well, you know, it's like you say things like, "Oh, we're really big in Germany." They're like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." <laughs> it's like, "Well, we're doing really well in the states." They're like, "Fuck yeah, yeah." yeah, yeah. Um, you know, from a even from that kind of perspective, like that's kind of how people think as well, whether it's true or not. It's just so odd to think, like, like doing this podcast. I I joke that it's like in high school and stuff like that, or at schooling in general, where you talk about different countries, like things that they've all gone through and, and all these things. Like, I feel like doing this has actually given me more actual experience talking to people about the differences and how we grow up, like difference of a, ideas and like what's important and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of wild to me because like, I, I forget who I was talking. I think it's future palace, the singer, uh, her and I were talking and 
she was making the comment about like how excited she was to come to California, I think for the first time. And I was like, does, does the luster of like USA it's, it's, you know, America, everyone wants to go there. And I was like, is that still a thing? Because like, I just don't feel like in light of all the things that have been happening politically in the last handful of years and so forth here, I was like, I don't feel like maybe it has that same allure to people. And it's been interesting to have her kind of say like, yes, it, it still like represents all those same things that everyone says it does the opportunities and the freedoms and all this kind of other stuff that it's, it's just an interesting perspective to learn how someone else looks at where you live and how you view things. No, that's exactly right. The hardest thing for us, like we've never had any like hesitations about wanting to come to the state and play these shows and stuff like that. The hardest thing for us is always getting the visas Mm. to get to come and play it's a nightmare like it's just like both times it's been like right we've got these shows booked guys like you might get your busy you might not yeah it's a six month process but you can't mm. can't book to go get the visa too early or too late it's got to be right on time yet you never know if you're actually going to get it. I mean both times we've come over we've had between two and three days to know if we were actually going to make it um, it, it, because they have a, like a physical stamp in the passport. Yeah, well, just, just to put that into perspective for you, just before this tour, we were in Australia supporting Wind Waker and, uh, and all, and we'd finished those shows, and uh, we had to go to the embassy, uh, the American embassy in Sydney, to go have an interview to see if they give us the the, the uh, US visa. So we handed over his passports in Sydney. We're like, right, well, we're in Sydney indefinitely now uh, until we get our passport back. Uh, luckily, they pushed it through and we waited the day and we were on a flight the same day. But uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's always an element of doubt. Even if the show's a book, even if the ticket's bought, still I might not make it. <laughs> what does the interview process look like? For oh, I mean, <laughs> it was, it's, it's uh, actually really easy. Yeah. It's, it's getting the interview that's the hard part. I mean, really, be to, yeah, it's basically like uh, what are you doing over there? What are you playing the band? Uh, what kind of venues? Uh, to, what colors you poo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, me, as quite an introverted person, I didn't actually know what to say to the guy interviewing us. So he said, "Oh, what was?" Uh, your experiences like last year what did you do basically yeah basically what did you do uh, where did you go and i had nothing to say but oh i just really enjoyed myself it was really good <laughs> what he wanted to know was i'm the drummer in this band and i went to this place this place this place, this yeah, place yeah and uh, i left on this day luckily it got a laugh out of him and yeah. we were all accepted but yeah I never so ask the drummer any questions <laughs> I keep time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to count to four. <laughs> <laughs> count to four and count to starting over again. Um, no, it's, it's so wild because, like, I feel like I would almost wonder if, you know, like, talking to some of the people, like King Parrot, uh, for instance, like, over in Australia, like, those dudes, like, talking about how hard it is to just break out of your own local scene because, like, you were kind of were alluding to a little bit ago, it's so hard for you to do any kind of, like, touring in a consistent manner. Do you yeah, feel yeah. like so it kind of makes me wonder like because this is your second record i i didn't see another ep or anything i think you put out the record back in 20 was it 2018 2019 and then yeah, this one EP before that okay um yeah. well, i guess i just 20, missed that one 
But I was going to say, like, the, the kind of question was going to become, like, do you find that it's harder to kind of quote unquote make it like when you kind of are committed to we want to be in a band, we want to tour, we want to do all these things and kind of make it a, a career in whatever that sense looks like. Do you find that it's harder for you due to the your geographical location to do such? Yeah, I mean the market's already saturated as it is, but um I mean when when it comes to writing music and being in a band, you've got the obvious locations in England like London, Manchester. Um but yeah, I think once you start gigging, you want to get out of the location you're at immediately. You want to be able to go down London, go play Manchester shows. That's the places where you're gonna pick up more fans. Um, I mean, I'm from near Sheffield and Leeds, and Leeds got a, a decent uh, music scene, but uh, a lot of the venues are closing down now, and uh, it's just a lot harder. So you've got a lot of bands, not many places to play. Um, I mean, it's great to meet new people, but yeah, it's a lot harder to be found. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the online stuff, like we, I think we contribute a lot of our startup success to Spotify and stuff like that. I know bands from UK that are killing it, lives, selling out shows, doing sick, but their online presence is dog shit. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's uh, that's half the battle now. Can be sick live, you know, great guys, but. Yeah, your Facebook stuff, Instagram stuff, your Spotify and other stuff. Nobody cares. It's weird. I wonder how much stock really there is in all of that. Because, like, I feel like at times, like, I saw something, an article probably about a month ago, and it was some influencer person, I don't know, and they, she, they were at a convention, which I don't really know what an influencer does at a convention other than just, hey, come meet me and pay for a photo, I guess. I don't know. But it was a thing where apparently no one showed up. And this person has, like, 3 million followers on this, blank amount on something else, and, like, no one showed up. And uh, she ended up posting, like, this is the reality of what happened. And, like, I could be really upset and bummed, or it just is a learning experience. And like, It is very relatable. I mean, you see with our Spotify numbers, we're nearly at 2 million monthly listeners, which is absolutely amazing, but it never correlates with ticket sales. Well, there's the thing, isn't it? Like, if you can watch somebody on your screen... Like this thing has got yeah. 300, uh, whatever, or 3 million followers. Oh, shit, I'm gonna stand up and leave the sofa. And nah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's getting those people to actually buy tickets. So, hopefully, if we keep on bringing more music out and we keep gigging more, those 2 million people are gonna actually come out. The, these are all the things that are in COVID when it feels like, oh, I just want live shows back, I just want live shows back. And then, like, back home, you're struggling to fill 200 people in a room. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I got called bullshit on the lot. <laughs> I it's kind of funny like I again part of piggybacking off of a conversation I had earlier today you know it's funny like I was talking about someone I had seen that used to be in a band locally uh, here and he started trying to do a business and it happened right before COVID so obviously the business didn't take off and failed because no one could go do anything and during like he, this person posted a photo of them like the day he knew he was going to shut the business down 
And he was like, and at the end of like his long thing about it, he was just like, you know, and I was really like bummed at this like city, the town, like the, this little pocket of the town and fuck everybody else who never came and supported me and like got really bitter about it. And I was like, dude, like you were in a band. So you of all fucking people should understand that. Like you have to do it because you want to do it. You yeah. like any, everybody else may or may not come, but if you aren't into the, what you're doing, you're never going to be fucking happy and no one else will be either. Yeah. You got to find your why. Yeah. We kind of looking on that one. I mean, everyone's hundred percent in the constantly want to do it. So, uh, keep doing it. And bring those people in. I would. So like, <laughs> this always sounds like such a backhanded question <laughs> and I don't mean it to be, but there's just kind of no other way to say it. But, you know, a lot of times, like I gotta get wrapped up in the in the duality of of musicians, where it's like you're experiencing things currently that are inspiring you or will inspire you for whatever the next thing you're going to be working on is. By the time you get to record and do all that stuff, could be another six, eight months, ten months. Then it probably won't be another seven to eight months before we get to hear it. So you're kind of living in the present, having to go backwards, and then kind of living in the present. But yeah. in the background, like you're never existing in any one plane. You're kind of yeah. existing in three different separate planes all at once. Yeah. And so, you know, the new record's out only been out a week, but I would assume potentially you guys are maybe starting to write ideas now or already have been for a while. How is it for you to kind of traverse that, that plane of like existing now being excited about whatever you're excited about, but then having to kind of relive the record that you've had for a year or so under your own belts. I mean, you say that it's in like three separate time periods, but that that's the same for excitement. I mean, you've got the excitement of writing it, recording it, then you've got the releasing, and then you've obviously got the gigs as well. So even though we are living in the past, we're still getting a new experience in the present time from playing shows or releasing it when it comes out. Uh, so I think it's really good. Yeah, I remember like mostly where what date was and what like what was going on when each song's getting like demoed down and stuff like that. Um so I was <laughs> I mean, this is probably the case for a lot of bands but they all have like stupid demo names but Organ I find them easier to I find them easier to call them that because then I can kind of remember what it's about even though there's no lyrics to it. You know what I mean? Like I, I might have had like a sick sandwich that day so I'll just call it like you know meatball sub something like that. <laughs> You know, it's you could thank uh, me on a taking mushrooms to kind of figure that out one day where I was like, we kind of live in existing these like weird planes of, of time, like where it's like we're in the present. But and I had it when uh, someone was walking, we were walking in a path in a park and someone was like an old couple walked past us and a runner went behind us and ahead of us. And I had just this thought of like past, present and future all kind of intersecting at once <laughs> and in, indirectly how they all correlate to what like it informs what you do like your past obviously informs your your future but kind of being present in the moment will allow you to sometimes enjoy that so when you look back on it it can inform something else or it can also give you that clarity to think of something you want to do in the future but it gets kind of spacey sometimes when you just start doing shit like that and it's always funny when people are like yeah i don't really fuck with that kind of stuff because like what if you get lost and i'm like i mean i don't know i think it's all a mentality but like i like the idea of separate getting out of your own way and kind of looking at the world from a different perspective than maybe you would if you just kind of don't take a moment for yourself and kind of being present yeah 
I don't know if that's anyone else's trip or anything like that. Therapy too also did the same thing. I think like, and that's been a, a trip recently, like kind of doing more into that kind of psychedelics and stuff and then throwing therapy type shit on top of it where you're just like, Oh, now I have tools to kind of break apart some more of my thoughts yeah, and things dude. that I'm like interacting with. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, no, wait, we don't do any of that. Fair enough. It's like, sometimes I feel like it, it gets, I mean, even talking about like therapy and stuff like that, but really, like I said, just kind of being able to, I think, understand kind of where you're at and being able to kind of just put yourself in different situations, kind of look at things from different perspectives and just kind of grow. And I mean, like something, I think something that I've really been latching onto and kind of trying to think more about and, and talk more about with people because I, I, I like learning how other people work, how their minds work, how their brains work, what makes them them. And something I've been kind of really talking a lot about just to kind of see how, like how people deal with it is kind of growing in like things that are awkward and uncomfortable, like in that uncomfortableness is where you kind of learn about yourself yeah. or learn how to get through things. And so I always like kind of posing like that question to people where it's like, what is something that you've learned kind of from being in an uncomfortable environment? And like, what is it informed you of moving forward that you're able to now have like that tool to utilize? Uh, I mean, I, I think um, from being in this position, I've, uh, I'm quite an anxious person. So it's made me realize that I can deal with stuff a lot more than I previously thought. Um, but when you're on about like um, therapy, like it's, it's not exactly uh stigmatized but uh it seems like in america because obviously you've got to pay for your health care which means paying for your therapist uh because we've got the nhs i, I believe that like not yeah. as many people go to therapy in england because they're obviously used to free health care um hmm. so i think it, it's a different mentality when it comes to an english person an american person it seems to be a lot more people in america go to therapy which i think is great um, but yeah, I mean, we're all a bit more closed off, so uh, being on these tours is definitely helping me to realise what I can do and how I can push myself. Mm. Yeah, I just don't like people that much, so <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of keep Especially what you said, <laughs> If you want to shot on what you just said down, it's just too much smaller. I'm not a, I don't hate people, I'm just not a big people person, you know? Well, I would I would ask this to get more a little bit more in the weeds on it because uh, we're trying to think how old, you guys are like mid twenties like twenty seven twenty eight ish thirty four me I'm oh shit okay okay I'm the right. baby all right well then you're closer to my age so that makes a lot more fucking sense because you probably have dealt in jobs in retail and stuff like that so you've seen the worst in fucking people treating you like shit because they feel like they can. And then the the adverse which I always find funny like I'm sure you've seen that meme where it's like. Tattoos are a great way to fucking start conversations with people, which is why I fucking re ever regret getting one because I don't want to talk to strangers about well, dumb shit. Well, yeah, I, I, my, my full-time regular gig, I tattoo. Uh, that's my job. So I feel like a fucking therapist most days. <laughs> I sit down and like, so how's it going? And then it's like, eight hours. And somebody offloading their shit onto me. Well, okay, I'm so trying to tattoo them. <laughs> and then it's like, I finished the work. And then they leave. I'm like, God, heavy, <laughs> heavy. And then that's well, every day. <laughs> so I would pros this to you because I've had like my close friend who's a tattoo artist out here. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple of times and some of the other musicians I've talked to. That's like their side main gig when they're home. 
but I would something I'd I'd ask, and if you don't mind answering, what do you do with that? Because like I feel like that's what the industry has kind of become with shows like Ink Master and so forth, where it's like it's about this most traumatic fucking thing. Like I remember my buddy Chris, he was like, I was doing this tattoo on an older lady. And, you know, it's a bigger piece and she didn't have anything. And I was just like, oh, so what made you want to get this? Like, just small talk while he's doing it. And she's like, so this tattoo, uh, I was married for like 20 something years. My husband beat me all the time. And I finally got out of that relationship. And he's just like, oh, shit. And like, it's real. It's like real. It's a real thing. And you're also kind of transferring an energy between the two of you. Like when you're doing it, like there's kind of a, a trauma bonding of sorts to a degree. Yeah. And I feel like it becomes this thing where like, again, kind of thinking about like, what does it look like for the other person where I'm like, okay, so you do that. Then you go home and like, you know, go home to your spouse or your significant other. And then it's like, you just had someone's horrible life experiences dumped on you and they're just doing it. Cause like, it's what it's just like, they feel safe saying it to you or whatever, which is awesome. Yeah. But then it's like, what the fuck do you do with that? Where you're like, okay, <sighs> Well, I don't want to do yeah. that and just basically like purge all that onto somebody else and bum them out. But then I have to kind of go about my day. Yeah, you can. I mean, you've got to do your best to just leave it. Yeah. While you're cleaning down, just take it out, put it somewhere mm. else. But you can't take that shit home with you every day because you'll never get anything done. You know, it's, uh, you have to not think about it. You know, at the time, it's great. It's great for, the person who's offloading everything onto you and it's good to listen you know can't offer great advice but i can listen but yeah like so when it gets to the end of the day it's like yeah sometimes physically and mentally drained mm. and then you know then you've got a thousand emails to get back to and then sometimes the band will have a zoom meeting or whatever if we don't want to meet up and it was like you okay you look tired i'm like fucking <laughs> hell yeah i am yeah I am very tired, actually. Yeah, I don't, like, this is where, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, do I ask the question or is this, like, invading too much? But it's like, again, I'm just am curious to how people nah, go through straight, things. Oh, man. Um, Most people take the same thing as well. What was that? Most people will tell you the same thing I have as well. Just then. Like, well, and I think that's, like, the interesting thing, sort of, is, like, just how we all deal with things like that was something that like sort of forced me to go to therapy was like, I would have a lot of people kind of be, I'd be that person for a lot of people where they would just dump shit on me. And then eventually I was just like, I can't fucking do this. Like I don't even have time to deal with my own shit, let alone somebody else's or many several others. And it just became this thing where it just gets to a point where like, and, and this is what I've seen with people. Like some people are better at compartmentalizing it and just being like, okay, that's my job. I clocked out. I'm done. Like it is what it is. And I just move forward. I, I don't, it's not necessarily that you're not being present for the conversation or whatever is happening that is causing these things. But some people I have learned are just better at being like, and that's their thing. Bye. See you later. And I don't take any of it on. And then there are people who I think are more empathic type people where it's like, all you do is take it all in and then feel like you have to be like, have to give the best answer to help that person out, be there for them a hundred percent. And it just puts on so much extra stress and unwanted things onto you that it's just like, like, that's how I am. So I'm like, how do people deal with it? How do you get out of it? Like, how do you just be able to be like, and like, you're, you're like your thing of like, and we're sanitizing and wiping down and, and it's like Burger King, like, okay. And the next one, let's go. And like, you just purge all that shit when you're doing that. Like, I think it's, I think it's commendable, but I also wonder like at what point, like, will that come back in some other way and manifest 
at a hey, really horrible I, I time. I do get those. Yeah, I do get those times every few weeks. Mm. It's kind of like, I can't, can't take anymore. <laughs> you need to stop. Um, but, you know, I guess I am good at, you know, not, not disregarding it, but, you know, it's not personal to me. So I kind of have to just um, take it as it's coming in and then when they've gone, kind of, you know, because anything serious that I need to take away from it, then fair. I will, but a lot of the time, a lot of the time it's ranting, you know, or whatever. But I'm like, when it comes to stuff like, like, when someone's having a rant about the other half of a job or anything, I'm like the worst person to tell. You're like, oh, I fucking hate my job. I'm like, I'm like well, quit. Like, well, I <laughs> yeah. can't. I need a job. It's like, well, why the fuck are you sitting here complaining about it if you don't want to do it? I'm like, just quit. And they're like, oh, no, I can't. I'm like, right, well, you're the right. You're asking the wrong guy then. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something interesting about that because I had a I spent a lot of time walking my dog, so a lot of times I just think about random shit. And so I was thinking about um uh, how jobs like, you know, think talking and kind of thinking about your job being a relationship because it essentially is, but it's more from a typically a financial it's a financial relationship. And I was thinking about how people will stay in shitty jobs where they're disrespected, aren't valued, whatever, underpaid, all of the above. And when you're like, same thing, when you go, then fucking do something, quit, like bring it to someone's attention, do something about it. That it sounds almost like someone being in an abusive relationship was like, well, I can't. And, well, I, and it's just not that easy. And it's like, but if you were to say these same things you're saying about your job, which is where you spend probably half your fucking life. Yeah. And you were to say it's a person. Most people would probably be like, you need to get the fuck out of that relationship before it fucking kills you. Why yeah, don't we but, why don't we look at it from that perspective of like I need to get out. It's not healthy for me. Well, I think the hardest part is admitting when you're not happy as well. So like the fact that somebody's telling you they're not happy even like at home or at work, I think that's the hardest part done. You already know you're ha- not happy. You know what you need to do to get rid of that. So <laughs> get on with it. Because uh, you know, no point in being miserable. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, kind of uh, sort of going to both of yours things like of, uh, you know, you talking about like your anxiety and stuff like that, how, especially, you know, being so far away from home touring and stuff like that and like missing out on stuff. Like I would assume you guys like just are so close knit together because like you kind of are able to, to be there. Like your bandmates going like, Oh, you look like shit. Like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, I feel like that's gotta be really nice and helpful. Like to kind of get through those, those episodes. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, we've been doing well. We've been gigging for probably three, four years now. So um, obviously, we've got to know each other a lot more. Uh, we know when to give each other space or when we need to uh, gather around someone and just make them feel better. But um, <clears throat> I think it's really, I mean, uh, like I said, with uh, my anxiety, like people can instantly tell when I shut off. Um, I like hide away a bit. Um, so it's just having people there knowing what I'm like. It's very relaxing. They make me feel better. Yep. Wasn't sure if you were going to jump in, Benji. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have stupid mood swings. One, with day, one minute I'm fine, the next, you know, I'm pissed off. Hey, you should have seen him driving. Bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah, one minute I'm pissed off, and then if somebody's like, the worst thing is like, it's like, 
you all right, mate? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> no, leave me alone. Leave me alone for 10 minutes. Go outside, smoke a cigarette. I'm fine. I'm done. <laughs> and I'm back to normal. Okay. I guess there's something I've never thought of, but I, I do wonder if there is if it's a thing so obviously i know like foods are totally different like you can go to mcdonald's in different countries and like the shit they have is totally different than what they'll have here in the states or, or somewhere else yeah are the cigarettes different too yeah well the way marks good can you hear me hey, yeah, yeah, okay yeah i think you i you, i lost you you froze up on your end where you said i think you were saying cigarettes are more expensive but i didn't know if you were saying here or there uh in the uk like twice the price they are in the states and the states is probably twice as much as it in some parts of Europe as well. So, <laughs> Stupid yeah. there. and then and then again, Australia is twice the price of what it is in, in the UK. So do you ever that, do the? Do you ever do the mental math of how much you'd save if you quit? I, I do the mental math of how many people I'd shout at if I didn't. So, <laughs> no, I was thinking. Always interesting to kind of just see like how how people go about that. Like I do, like my wife and I are actually talking the other day that we feel like those, and I don't know if you have them uh, over where you guys are at, but like the PSA ads about like not smoking, like they started kind of around our senior year, like O two, like two thousand two, somewhere around there, like the pushing the agenda to stop smoking, like with young kids. And I was like, you know, it's funny when I go to bars, I don't feel like I see anyone smoking cigarettes. Now the adverse is I see everyone fucking smoking those like breeze things like inside. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, I don't know necessarily that I guess they sort of won. Like people stop smoking cigarettes, but I also I don't mean, know if it... it seems like a fashion statement in England. I mean, all the teenagers just want all the best vapes, and you just see them hanging around. So I hit constantly Well, that's what they did in the UK. So basically, you know, we're still in the states, still got the you know the regular packaging. You know, yeah. Like this. Uh, in the UK, we did away with that, and in some parts of Europe as well. So our, every cigarette brand now is just a generic, like, khaki green packet. Mm. Right, so there's no design on them. It says the name of the, of the brand, but they all just look the same. And the reason for that was so it would make it less appealing for children to want to smoke. So in the same instance, they got rid of menthol cigarettes in the UK as well. They can only buy regular cigarettes. They're all, they all look boring, blah, blah, blah. So, like, right, we've won the war on that. And now, they sell fucking fruity vape bullshit everywhere. And that's the, that's the stuff that kids want to smoke. Yeah. And it's like, it almost got rid of the stuff that was still a bit shit. And it's all plastic disposable yeah, yeah. stuff as well. So, so, just so basically, they, they stopped all that in the UK, and then they just brought out these vapes instead, which are way more appealing anyway. It's kind of weird, because, like, on the one hand, like, we just uh, went, like, my wife and I love going to Atlanta. And there's like hookahs are super big out there for some reason. I don't know why. Like everywhere you go, every bar has hookahs and I fuck with them. And there's one place that makes them better than I've ever had them anywhere else. But I was thinking as I was having one, I was like, essentially, I guess that's all vapes are is like a tiny portable hookah. Like that doesn't require any work. And like, kind of, I was like, as I was hitting one, I was just like, Okay, I guess it like as soon as I did that, I was like, I guess I guess these things make sense to me because like I like smoking hookahs and I like the flavors and all the crazy flavors. Yeah. Like, why not? But then I was like, I guess like yeah, it's the bitch part of like having to build and make the hookah is a real fucking ordeal. That like half the time it's why I don't ever want to have one again because it's like it sucks to clean. It's a pain in the ass to like make and do all that yeah. shit. And you're just like stupid. Burning the coals and that, nah, not for me. 
Yeah, I burned a hole in my carpet once. It's <laughs> 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 just nice charcoal shaped hole in my carpet. And I was like, cool. Um, uh, it sounds like you guys have got to get ready to probably get the show going or somebody else. So I'll kind of wrap up sort of with this. Um, where like something I've been kind of doing that's been fun. Uh, one of my podcast sponsors uh, is Rockabilia and they do like band merch. I've uh, been around for a long time. Used to like see their ads in the back of like magazines and so forth. Yeah. And so something I've been doing, cause I think it kind of elicits interesting stories uh, is asking what was, what is, or what was your favorite piece of merch you ever had from like a band? Oh, oh I used to have a day to, I know this straight away. He's a day to remember shirt that I, uh, Pac-Man goes beating up Pac-Man. It was bright blue and it was fucking sick. Oh man! And then I, I turned eighteen and just grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine was probably um, when I was going through my emo phases. I had all the rubber wristbands of all the bands, and I went Steve Paramore in their brand new eyes tour, and I got a, a rubber wristband for that. Um, and then the previous year, I can remember. I was going for two. Oh, yeah, there were, there were two. I, well, I didn't get this one. I just really wanted it. It was the marching band uh, jacket that NCR brought out. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, fuck, oh, I want that no. so much. But as a kid, I mean, I was like... Right, you want to turn up to school with that on? 60 quid. Uh, so, yeah. Also, yeah, where else am I going to wear it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing that gets interesting sometimes is like when, especially now with like UK stores, American stores and so forth, like where it's separated by like geographical, probably for shipping and, and the, the denomination, I always feel like, and I'm sure it's the exact same in reverse, but again, I don't, again, thinking of how other people probably think of it, but I always used to be like, fuck, like everything in the European stores way cooler than the ship here in the States, but I don't want to pay that shipping and shipping cost to do yeah. so fucking much money. So I always felt like you guys got better merch than we did. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, all the all the best merch is basically when you're on tour anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. I know we make sure we put out those best prints uh, when we do US on tour. So people don't have faith. When are you guys going to bring the uh, the foil prints back? I feel like that's the next thing that's got to come back because I feel like the the sort of brighter colored weird shit is coming back again. Like you were saying, like the better day to remember. That I think that was like. Oh four, maybe oh five, like right yeah, when everyone yeah. was doing super bright random shit that had nothing to do with anything. And I feel yeah. like the next step then is the foil prints on everything coming back. If you remember yeah, those. I don't know if we're gonna do foil prints. Foil prints. <laughs> yeah. What like the shiny ref yeah, like reflective. You'd see them on like on a lot of hoodies and stuff like that. Oh, it was like no. a thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean it's probably well expensive as well now. Yeah, man. Uh I don't know. I find like with the way band merch is, and it has been for a little while. It's more like streetwear now. You yeah. Know? Nice big black print. Nice and simple on the front. You can wear it. You can wear it to see your grand. Yeah. You know, black shirts. It, people love You can wear it to shirts. dinner. You can wear it to see your grandparents. Yeah. It works for everything. So, kind of last thing, I'll let you guys go. So, I was thinking because uh, the episode I'm dropping tomorrow is with uh, Nick Brooks of It Dies Today. And so, I was on Rockabilly's website to be like, oh, they got some It Dies Today shit. And the stuff they had ironically is all that's left is in youth large which is very funny but I, i've forgotten about this trend the side print real low and the side print yeah and i was yeah. like i 
I was like, I forgot about that. And I immediately just remember being like this fucking thick print that just like laid on your side. And you're like, Ugh, this sucks. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I hope that I hope that trend doesn't come back because like that was the most stupidest shit ever. Well, me neither, because I print our merch and that is stupid for all to do. So <laughs> I will refuse to do that. <laughs> uh, last question for you guys. Where can uh, everyone find you or anything you would like to plug online? Okay, uh, all the usual streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, caskets underscore band. You can find us on TikTok, yeah, I always forget about that. Um, and X now, which is X. not Twitter. Twitter, but it's yeah, Twitter. Yeah. It's yeah, Twitter. Yeah. All the usual places, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, if you Facebook. go to www.caskitsband.com, you can find all the merch and links there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that still fucks me up. Uh, I saw the other day when I was on Twitter, instead of, re- instead of it saying retweeted, it said reposted. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's very weird. It felt very weird seeing that. Well, but, I'm too old for Twitter as well. I don't even use Twitter. Well, heck, no. Yeah, I, I, I think now that everything's like threads, I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, I feel like any of these things now, I'm just ready. Like when the next grouping of shit starts coming through, I'm going to be like, and I'm sloughing this off and I'm just not going to be a part of any of it moving forward. It's too hard. Been around for like, you know, Benji could probably attest. It's like, dude, I had Zanga and shit like that. Like before MySpace, like there was the shit proto, all of that. And I had all of that. And it's like, at this point, I'm tired of building and recreating something just to like lose it all 10, 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah. James, I'd be though. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your day, and hopefully, we'll see you guys because uh, you guys already came through this way. Um, yeah. I would assume maybe well, there's you know. maybe uh, I'm in Grand Rapids, so you guys would have. I think you played um, Detroit. Um, yeah. So at uh, that point, I, what was up? No, no, I'm just trying to remember where we've already played. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I say, do you guys have a fall tour coming up, or are you kind of done here in the states until probably next year? Uh, yeah, we have actually got a fall tour, but we can't announce anything yet. Um, fair enough. A couple of months, you'll see something on the socials. Well, fair enough. Hopefully, uh, that brings you back around this way. My wife and I can come out and check out a show, and maybe get to chat it up in person uh, and see yes. what you're, you're looking at. Enjoy the rest of your day, and talk soon. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Craig and James of Caskets. Want to thank them once again for taking the time to chat. I uh, know the guys were busy doing a bunch of stuff, obviously soundcheck, being on tour. It's always hard to kind of do some of these when you are essentially kind of beholden to whatever your day looks like uh, on tour, which if you haven't figured out it, and even just from my conversation uh, in the intro of talking about basically that trying to get with BD was hard because I have to figure it out around what they're doing that day with TMs, sound check, meet and greets and literally everything else. So it just really becomes this thing where, um, you know, I really appreciate the time that everyone gives me, especially when they're on tour. Uh, cause you know, there's not a whole lot of time for themselves. Uh, so much appreciated. And honestly, uh, shout out to my wife for kind of reintroducing me to this band. Uh, you know, as I had kind of said in the intro uh, of the chat, uh, knowing, you know, the Holofront dudes and uh, Tyler and most of the Holofront dudes as a whole have been really uh, pushing this band, you know, pushing caskets on a lot of their socials and so forth and being fans of the band. So uh, this is a band that has kind of been on my radar for a little while, but just one of those that gets lost sometimes in the shuffle of press releases and who's got a new record coming out and when is it coming out and all those kind of things. So it does kind of become this thing after a while uh, where you just sort of forget 
Um, so this was one that my wife was really excited uh, for me to get. Uh, she was really excited to uh, hear the new record when it was coming out. Uh, you know, that was kind of a fun, you know, us thing we got to do uh, when I got the advance of the record was to, you know, jam it on car rides and so forth and just kind of uh, fall in love with a record kind of together. So if you haven't picked up Reflections, uh, the new album is out now. It has been out for a little bit. Uh, it is available over uh, uh, Sharp Tone Records, uh, just a, a great record company, um, putting out a lot of great music. Um, it's funny. I remember when Sharp Tone came out, and I was just like, man, this label seems to kind of have come out of nowhere, and they're just signing phenomenal bands. So uh, sort of hearkening back to you know, the, the era sort of of labels where you just knew if a label put out something, it didn't kind of really matter who it was. You would kind of sight unseen or sound unheard, basically go and check out a band on this roster because you knew that it was going to be good. The, the quality and the level of output was going to be of a certain expectation. And, you know, honestly, as a, as a longtime fan of music and so forth and someone who paid attention to labels and producers and so forth, uh, it's kind of nice to, to sort of see that era coming back. Um, I know it's kind of a, a different thing maybe for, for some who aren't don't remember the heyday of like Trustkill and Victory and Solid State and Tooth and Nail and, you know, all these labels, Roadrunner and so forth. So... I think it's really cool, and I'm really excited to uh, see what Sharp Tone puts out moving forward. I'm excited to see Caskets uh, hopefully touring here a hell of a lot more. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch the show uh, on the last tour, so I'm hoping maybe when they come back around, they'll end up doing a B market, uh, coming here to Grand Rapids, and maybe maybe get to talk to some of the other guys in the band uh, and um, catch up with them and see what they're up to. Um, sort of unrelated, but I kind of want to put a... a a little bit of a spotlight on something that I saw uh, this past weekend. Blue Ridge Rock Festival uh, was this past weekend as of when I'm recording this. Obviously, if you follow any of the news sites, you'll probably see that it was... I hate to say it was a shit show because uh, I wasn't there and I don't really like to speak about things that I wasn't involved in or see firsthand. Uh, but what I can say is if the internet is to be believed, I, at one point I saw Blue Ridge was trending on Twitter, I think number one actually. So enough people were talking about it, uh, whether it be from the bands, whether it was fans in attendance and so forth. But by all accounts, it seems like Blue Ridge was pretty much a shit show. Um, I don't know how much I believe was due to the weather. It does seem like it was, but then people were stuck there in the middle of weather, but then they were canceling things because of the weather, but it didn't seem like they were doing it because then I saw there was like a pop-up acoustic set of like Shinedown and Papa Roach and some other people. So I don't understand how you would cancel the event, but then have people that were on the grounds camping have a pop-up show. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. Uh, by and large, it does seem like from people I know that have been going to the festival band and attendees alike over the last few years that it has pretty much not been a great fest. Um, and it sucks because it looks like one of those kind of fests to me that tries to emulate a lot of what you see in the European, European festival, uh, circuit, uh, where you have like a three to four day festival. There's bands of all kinds, legacy acts, metal, you know, kind of crossover bands and so forth. And to me, it's, it's something that I feel like should exist here in the States. It's something I think we need to be sort of, I don't want to say competitive, but more on par with what you see in the international touring festival circuit. And it becomes this thing where 
uh, my homies in Heartsick were had won an opportunity. Finn voted actually. Uh, Finn voted to open the main stage uh, the first day of the festival on Thursday, I believe. And you know, I was texting with Alfonso like, "Hey, you know, at least you when everything was happening, I was like, at least you got to play the festival." And he was like, "Oh, dude, you don't know then." And I had no clue what he was talking about, and basically found out that he organized with the the help of. I believe it was I Set My Friends on Fire and one or two other bands to essentially do a pop-up show uh, over in the area of the campers, I I would assume. That's what it looked like and how it sounded. And it looks like they pulled in like 5,000 or more people to this like pop-up show that they did to to basically close out Blue Ridge. And the people I've seen commenting and posting stories and so forth from that set have been really, really crazy to know that it's like, these are my friends and they're not like a signed band. They aren't known, but that people, it put a positive spin on their experience. It gave them something to, to kind of end on a high note and to know that it was done in the same breadth of how they have traversed their whole career, just DIY till you die, just, we want to play, we want our music to be heard by anyone and everyone, and we will play in front of anyone, anywhere. Uh, sometimes, you know, Alfonso and I have had uh, disagreements about how to traverse that. Uh, I think they oversaturate at times. I think they, you know, they got to get out of that mentality of where the local band and we'll just do whatever uh, and do things with more of a purpose. But in this sense, this is one of those things where it, it embodied what they do, who they are, and to see them connecting with so many people uh, and getting that opportunity. You know, it's funny. It's like he, I think Alfonso even put on uh, Facebook or something to the effect of like, we opened the festival on the main stage and we headlined and closed it out. You know, we bookended the whole festival. And it's incredible, man. It's incredible to see your friends doing the damn thing, uh, doing something because of the passion and the the want to do it. Uh, to, for the why, you know, knowing their why, essentially, you know, that's something I talk about all the time on this podcast is is your why. And it is something that just to see it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I saw uh, Kyle from Bad Wolves posted a meme on his Instagram story. And I was like, that was taken from the photo that my friends played, like they they basically played like a generator type stage that they made. And so I sent it to Alfonso. I was like, dude, you you know you've made it when the photo of you guys playing and having all the fans basically around you while you're playing has now been turned into a meme less than a day later. Um, so it's it's been crazy to see it. That's probably not a story you're going to see possibly uh, when you see things about Blue Ridge. Um, and that kind of sucks, I think, for, for all the good uh, that has happened for the festival, the bands that played. Uh, there there seem to be a lot of great things uh, that happened at the festival, and that's sort of what makes it kind of hard to figure out where it sits. Uh, Caskets even got to, to play it, but I don't think they really got to enjoy the day because I think they got the, the rest of the fest got rained out after they played. But it's a thing where it seems like a great festival, and I really would love to see it succeed. But unfortunately, I think either it needs to move somewhere else or needs to happen at a different time because I think that's just the unfortunate nature of some of these festivals taking place when they do, where they do, is you're dealing with too many people in a crowded area. You're dealing with, you know, Mother Nature doing what it does and possibly putting people in harm's way with these unexpected storms or whatever. Um, all that said, though, it, shout out to Heartsick for just doing what they do. 
Um, and to start wrapping up this episode, if you would like to keep up with caskets, you can find them simple enough at casketsband.com. That'll be the landing page for pretty much anything you need for caskets. But in the event that you would like it spelled out for you, if you'd like to find them on Facebook, you can find them at Facebook at Caskets Band Official. Instagram and Twitter are at Caskets underscore band. If you would like to keep up with uh, Craig, you can find him at Craig underscore CSKTS. And James is at James underscore CSKTS. I did not find a Twitter for either of them or really anyone in the band. And honestly, congrats to them because uh, any less forms of social media you're using probably is for the betterment of your mental health and all that. So uh, if there is one, sorry, I didn't find it. Um, maybe you can be a better internet sleuth and find it. Um, if you would like to keep up with the podcast, simple enough, Bruce speak pod on all your social media platforms, rate, review, subscribe, uh, wherever you can do such, uh, is greatly appreciated. Uh, you can email me at brutally speaking at gmail.com for future guest ideas, uh, comments on episodes, so forth. Uh, I'm here. I usually reply to my emails pretty quickly. And if you would like to support our podcast sponsors who support us, that would be greatly appreciated. Go to rockabilia.com, use the code brutally at checkout and take 10% off your total purchase order. Uh, looking like I'm going to go hang out with Frankie uh, up in a couple of weeks up in Milwaukee to go see Dance Gavin dance. Uh, so that should be fun. Linking up with uh, Frankie again and going to see another show in another state. It's Starving Artist Brewery. Uh, always want to thank them, uh, the guys and gals that work over there, uh, supporting me with uh, <laughs> great beer. I'm excited to uh, share some with uh, Matt and the Cryptopsy dudes from Fox and Hops. Uh, they are rolling through town here pretty soon. Uh, if you saw on my podcast socials yesterday, I did some uh, light leg work uh, looking for some beers that fit the the vibes of what uh, Matt and his crew are looking for. Uh, so shout out City Builts. I think you got a bunch of home runs that I can't wait to show those guys and get uh, yeah, uh, City Built Brewing. They're not a sponsor, but I would love to do something with them, but they're great. But Starving Artist Brewery, uh, they have a great, great belief that you should judge beer, not people. And I think in today's climate, that is absolutely imperative uh, to try to be more aware of how we interact and treat other people. So want to thank again, Rockabilia and Starving Artist Brewery. Support them if you can. Uh, use our code where applicable. Uh, follow them on all the socials and keep up with everything that they are doing. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will see you all next week with my conversation with TJ Miller of Still Remains and Dead Me. That was a fun one. Uh, looking forward to having you all check that one out. I will talk to you all next week. And football is back. Let's go. It's so fucking great to have football on TV. I have been pumped all weekend with college football go blue with all the NFL stuff. My fantasy team did kind of shitty this week, but hey, it's week one of the NFL season. And uh, tonight is Monday night when I'm recording this. So uh, excited for Buffalo against the Jets. Uh, let's go Buffalo. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. I will talk to you all later. Peace.